This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I am Josh. Uh, with me tonight is Mark. Again, this is the second week in a row that there is no Chris. We have not had reports yet of where he is. We are trying to locate him, but we are starting without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to... Oh, HR's here? Hang on. Let, let's see. Oh, I have a... I have. They're handing me a letter. What is this oh, letter? Is that memo? What is... Yeah. Um... Dear K-12 Tech Talk Podcast Administration, uh, this is from Sue in HR. Um, apparently Sue, there was... Sue is the best, by the way. Yeah, she's she's lovely. She she makes the best pound cake. Um, apparently there was an incident at K-12-6, and I guess we will talk about that in a little bit. Um, and Chris has been placed on administrative leave for mm-hmm. another... This is the second week in a row that he was on administrative leave. Um, so no Chris this week. Sorry, guys. We'll we'll get into the rest of this letter in a little bit. Um, but you guys are fresh back from K. Whoa, not K twelve. <laughs> K twelve. Now Josh is on the administrative leave. <laughs> wow. Uh, K twelve six. Uh, got to talking too fast there. Um, we'll get into all of that in a minute. You and Chris got to meet for the first time. Uh, it's been. I don't know. It's it's been a crazy week. Our spring break starts tomorrow. No no students or staff. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. But us twelve monthers will be there. We've got some things to break and some things to patch. Um, if you do have uh, a Fortinet, and let's just get our Fortinet sponsorship covered really quick. Um, for all of your Forta wants and Forta needs, uh, contact Fortinet at Fortinet Podcast at fortinet.com that's our buddy chris illingsworth illingworth uh the salesman there he will be able to help you point you in the right direction for all your four to wants and four to needs they will be at the midwest tech talk security symposium uh that is this friday the 9th which is probably too late if you're listening to this now uh, but fortinet the forta os uh released 7.0.10 i believe so if you have a fortigate firewall go ahead and update that bad boy to 7.0.10 i do believe the 7.2 firmware also had an update as well uh let's see so that's fortinet our great sponsors they've been with us for a while something i changed this week mark you and i talked about this before the show is uh, i tried changing i had a security assessment done last friday it was a fun um you know type it's like going to the doctor man you know cough turn your head and cough and we're going to ask all these questions about your security roles and uh, all your policies and stuff and one of the things that i kind of got beat up on was i still had wpa ssids or wpa2 ssids and they're for my chromebooks because we don't we don't 802.1x those um and she suggested that we move to wpa3 so friday afternoon i broke i broke one of the tenants of it of don't change things on friday at like 3.30 on Friday afternoon, I decided, oh, I'm going to try and change this SSID from WPA2 to WPA3 and see what happens. 
Um, so I changed it and I thought I saw devices connecting and I went home and had a glorious weekend. Right? Monday morning. Yeah. Monday morning at 6.45 in the morning, I get a text from the uh, high school principal saying, hey, I, I think we got a wireless problem. None of my, I've got kids here for tutoring and they can't get on their Chromebooks. Well, luckily I was already driving into the office and uh, I get in, I'm like, well, I can almost bet what that was. So I changed it back to WPA2 real quick and it, they all associated. Long story short, next what I did is I spun up a new SSID and made it WPA3 with a passphrase and everything. And the Chromebook associated to it fine. Like I, I typed in my password and it worked fine. So there must there must be something with, I don't know if it's Aruba, uh, wireless, I don't know if it's the Chromebook, but I think there has to be some sort of negotiation or some sort of cash negotiation that has taken place. And changing it from WPA2 to WPA3 freaked it out. But if it's a new SSID going straight to WPA3, they seem to connect fine. And even though the Google Admin Console, if you go into uh, Connections and Wireless, when you add a new SSID or you configure an SSID, it has a dropdown for security and it has WPA slash WPA2, but it doesn't say WPA3. It will work with WPA3. That I tested that, verified that, and pushed it out, and it, it worked with my WPA3 SSID. Did you, did you keep the SSID, the name, the network name the same? Yes. The only thing I changed was the authentication type, and, and even the passphrase was the same. Hmm. The only thing I changed was from WPA2 to WPA3. And the really weird thing was I had iPads associating and Windows devices associating to that SSID, but my Chromebooks would not. Really oh, weird. Okay. So I was going to I was going to speculate that maybe the Chromebooks were looking for the old configuration because you had the same ID and password, but they're just confused because it's a different setup. I don't know, man. Maybe if you tried a whole different name or password, Chromebooks yeah. would see it as a brand new network and could be. And, and I I mean, I know that works with a new SSID because I we already proof of concept of that. I did that Monday afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, so now that we're on spring break, we might try changing that again and just see what happens, what else we can break. Wow. Sure. And see. So um, we also talked a little bit ago. We See, we did, we did pre-work. Chris isn't here. And we laid out this. We did pre-work. We had a nice pre-meeting. Um, normally that doesn't happen when Chris is here. Let's just go straight into what he drank from Sonic. Yeah, it was, what was it? I don't know, Nerds or something? It was a, what did he say? It was a frozen lemonade with added strawberries and added nerds. And if they yeah. get the nerds, you throw a fit because he gets a whole cup of nerds that he puts in there. And that was our big interview too. And he starts it off with... yeah. Describing how to get a nerd slot. I'm glad he's on leave. I yeah. you know Sue from HR has got the right thing going here. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Mark, why don't you talk about that Reddit story that we were talking about, uh, if you want, real quick? Yeah. So, there was a Reddit thread um, that allows uh, students to, on a managed Chromebook, to pop in a quick URL, a quick Chrome URL. Um, I think I'm not, I'm, the exact URLs uh, escaping me right now. I've got it. It is Chrome colon slash slash net dash export. And as you can imagine, with a name like net export, it allows somebody on a managed Chromebook to download and export quite a lot of information about your network configuration, including if you are on WPA2, the password to the wireless. Well, 
I think what it, it's a two-part thing. So according to the net the Reddit article, they export I think the hash with the net export tool, and then you go to this website called nppe.glitch.me, and it it uh, takes the hash and then converts it and gives you the passphrase. Right. Um. So yeah, first thing I saw this article this morning early. And the first thing I did was go in and, and block that Chrome URL, that slash slash net export. Right. Um, not a, it's obviously not a um, uh, a very simple thing to do. It's going to be, you know, your more advanced person is going to be able to kind of figure this one out and, and create the password. But as you can imagine, a leaked password doesn't take long to spread. It only takes one person in your environment to get that leaked password and all of a sudden everybody's got it. So. Definitely get that URL blocked. We definitely blocked that as soon as we saw that thread. And thank you to the person who posted that one. You know, there that brought up a, that did bring up an interesting conversation with my guys. I had two, one, I had two conversations with my guys today that were interesting. One of them made me feel really old. And this conversation about what other Chrome URLs we block. Um, and in that Reddit sub in K12 sysadmin, there one of the comments someone put in a huge litany list of all the Chrome slash slash URLs that they block. We don't go that far, and my guys are going to kind of look through there and see which ones are useful to block and which ones really don't matter. Um, but it is interesting. There are a ton of those Chrome URLs. Um, like the Chrome yeah. About, I, I don't see a reason to block Chrome About because that you can, you know, you get valuable information out of that. Um, but other other stuff like Chrome Kill and and flags, uh, there there are definitely some good Chrome URLs to block. Mm-hmm. So, oh, the other conversation I had with my guys uh, today, I had to explain Y2K to them. Can you believe that? What? They were born in one of them was born in ninety nine, no ninety eight, ninety eight or ninety nine. So he really doesn't remember Y2K. And then the other one probably was born in like 2003. Oh, no. Yeah. So I had to go. I'm feeling old. So I was like, dude, I was out of, I was in college working at a hospital. And I'd go to the whole story about how to give the hospital the address I was going to be at so that if something happened, they could give it to the sheriff's department to find me. (laughs) Seriously, we had to do that. Yeah, Y2K was real, man. It wasn't a conspiracy. It was real. Yeah, they were they were like blown. They're like, you had to tell the sheriff's department where you were going to be. I didn't well, because the clocks were going to hit. Yeah, I didn't have an ankle bracelet at the time. So um, at the time, yeah, well, it's a joke, Mark. It's a joke. Um, so let <laughs> Sue's going to be suspending me next um, <laughs> after my comment earlier. And now that yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's get, let's get to the heart of the article or the heart of the episode, episode 109 here. Uh, you and Chris, I, I think the headline is here that you and Chris met is the yeah. headline at, at K-12-6 in Austin, the great state of Austin, Texas, or the great state of Texas, a uh, wonderful city of Austin, great barbecue. Um, but you were, you guys were there for a reason. Why, why were you guys in Austin? So we went to the very first k 12 uh summit or or conference it was put on by doug levin which you're going to hear about in a second uh and it was a a 
uh, gathering of K-12 professionals, mostly, I would say mostly we're, we're district folks. And, and that's a big part of, uh, of Doug's interview is who's at this conference. Um, but it was the first of its kind where it was a cybersecurity conference dedicated to K-12. So it was a really cool environment to be, you know, if you've ever been to a conference and they have all kinds of different topics and you're always like, well, what's the theme? Well, this one was very clear. Everybody's here to talk about cybersecurity and some of the best sessions I've ever seen uh, or, or been to, or were at this, this conference, Chris and I were down there representing the podcast and we did a session on, uh, on ransomware and it was very well attended standing room only. And, um, and then we got to hang out and talk to some folks, uh, afterwards. And it was a very, very quick one. I was in and out just for that one presentation, uh, but definitely worth it. And I'm definitely gonna look at this for next year to see if I could send some folks from my team. Cause I think it's really, really worth worthwhile effort. Uh, even though it was a long trip down to Texas, it was definitely a worthwhile effort. So let, let's, I, I just have a couple of questions and we'll get into why Chris has been suspended. Um, mm-hmm. Question number one, were any cowboy hats purchased? You and I had a bet going, were there any cowboy hats purchased? Yeah, and I don't think we ever told Chris about this bet, but the no. whole thing was, can we convince Chris to buy a cowboy hat in Texas? It did not work, oh. unfortunately, okay. no. And in fact, jo- and here's the thing that Josh doesn't know either. So Josh bet me $10 uh, that I couldn't get Chris to buy a cowboy hat. I made a counter bet with Chris <laughs> that I would give him $5 if he took a picture with a cowboy hat on and sent it to you. <laughs> Therefore, we would both profit um, off of your $10, but that didn't work either. Um, okay, so we'll move along. Uh, you you met all sorts of people, right? Like um, there were several listeners. Some of the first text I got from you guys that morning was, we've got people here that know us. Like they know us by name. Yeah. They know who we are. They're coming up to us and saying hi and stuff like that. So. I believe you met Neil from New Hampshire, who we're going to, the three of us are going to go see in New Hampshire in May at the K-12 or at their CTO clinic. Um, the gentleman that puts your head on a buffalo, you got to meet them. I got to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting. That was, <laughs> they were excited to meet you and Chris from what I understand as well, yeah. right? Yeah, that was fun. And then uh, were there, were there some other people or am I forgetting anybody? Uh, there's a lot of people down there. It was really cool to see. I think some people had actually traveled to the conference just to, to be able to meet us, which was a new experience for me as well. Uh, so that was, that was a lot of fun, but it was, it was a really cool, really cool event. And I know that we were down there for the podcast, but I feel like I, uh, I took, it's one of the conferences where you feel like you take more out of it than you, than you actually give. And that's, that's definitely a great conference. That's, that is the sign of a great conference. Yeah. Um, and and we'll just kind of tease something here. Uh, you guys may have struck up a relationship with SZA. There were some mm-hmm. representatives from SZA there that uh, apparently declined to come on the podcast at the time, right? Um, she didn't, they didn't want to come on the podcast. They said they couldn't. Well, I think that they got to do, it's a federal government here. Yeah, they got to get right. approvals and stuff. Yeah. So you can't just jump on there. Uh, so yeah, no, we've uh, we've uh, had at least one meeting so far after that with them so that th- this could be interesting. Um, so let's get right into it. You and Chris took or Chris took the podcast equipment down there on the on the mm-hmm. K twelve Tech Talk plane, the jet. Yep. Um and you guys interviewed Doug. So what that's what the rest of this episode is, is an interview with, with Mr. Doug. 
Um, what did you guys kind of talk about and and cover in this interview? What are people going to hear? So we, yeah, as you as you're about to hear, we talked a lot about the purpose of K twelve six, what the um, the organization is set to do, and what it's what it has been doing for the last few years. And now you have a conference which has been established by the organization uh, to help get people together, which is great, right? It's always nice to have these resources online. You kind of have you know virtual connections with folks, but to be able to have this kind of tangible conversation is great. The other thing that I thought was really good about this conference is that it was it was really touted as like a kind of a safe space, right? And and, and Doug was very deliberate at the beginning of the conference about saying, hey, there's no media here. This is not a like big open public event. This is supposed to be a safe space for people to come and talk openly, share their experiences. There were some districts that were sharing their experience of going through cyber attacks. And, and the, the, the space was set up so that they could feel safe in doing so, that they know that they're talking to somebody who is either going to help them or learn from them not exploit any sort of weaknesses or challenges and things like that. So it was, it was really good. There were, um, there were some vendors there as well, but they were vendors that were like purpose built of like, I'm here to help K-12 organizations with security. I'm not just here to, to market or sell anything. I'm actually here to help. So it was really good to see, uh, the wide variety of people that were down there. We even met somebody from uh, a bond rating company who, you know, his company's role is to give bond ratings to different cities um, and how, you know, he's now seen how important cybersecurity at the K-12 area is. And so with the representation from the different vendors from different districts and uh, the federal government folks really kind of elevating this importance of K-12 cybersecurity, it was really great to have this kind of uh, gathering of the minds uh, at K-12-6. You know, it's funny you say that about the bond person. I received an email from uh, a friend of mine who has been on this show before, um, and he said their district is floating new bonds. They're getting ready to start a construction project. And he had a correspondence from one of the underwriters with the bond company that said, I want to see your cybersecurity plan as part of their due diligence in giving them a bond rating and being able to float these bonds. So that's... Uh, you had said that last week, and I'm like, wow, that's going to be an interesting trend. And literally a week later, I get an email saying that that, that it's happening. Yeah. So back to Sue's letter um, to the podcast administration. So in this interview with Mr. Doug, uh, yeah. Chris kind of, he insults Doug's map. He calls he calls Doug's map stupid. Yeah. Uh, so K-12-6 has a map on their website of all the different... Um, k-12 related cyber attacks so you can see just how big this area is and doug will talk about that um chris made some comments i was hoping it wasn't going to get back but i think hr did did hear as you're gonna as you're gonna hear what what chris said well i mean we're gonna air it so of course i mean hr gets yeah. all of this stuff so i mean they heard it i don't yep. i don't think doug complained um but yeah no it's uh chris is on so hopefully he's but we think he'll he'll be back next week sue's letter makes it sound like it's only a week suspension Mark, I know you have to run, so why don't you leave, and I'm going to hit the rest of our vendors for this, or our sponsors for this episode. Mark, we'll see you next week. Um, if you want to get with us, if you want to shoot us an email, k12techtalk at podcast, or k12techtalk at gmail.com, and we're on Twitter, k12techtalkpod. Uh, see you later, Mark. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, <clears throat> our last couple sponsors for this episode... Visor, visor.cloud is a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Next week, we will be interviewing uh, a special guest from Visor on the show. 
a customer of Visor's that knows way more about Visor and what they do than what Chris and I and Mark do. So Visor can help you with your IT asset management from Chromebooks to everything else. Go to visor.cloud slash K12 Tech Talk. That's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash K12 Tech Talk. And finally, oh, almost finally tonight, Extreme Networks. Uh, I've been an Extreme customer for eight years. Email dmayer at extremenetworks.com. They have industry-leading uh, upper right quadrant when the Gartner reports uh, both physical and wireless networking. That's dmayer, M-A-Y-E-R, at extremenetworks.com. And finally, Provision Data Solutions, who has been with us since day one. Uh, they are a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. They can help you help your tech department do whatever they want to do, whatever they want to accomplish. Uh, they can help you get there. Catch Chris and Eric, Eric the intern, at COSIN in a couple of weeks in Austin, Texas. They will be recording... Uh, and it have some swag available to buy and some other very uh, exciting announcements to come. A uh, little teaser there. It is super exciting. You'll want to hear what they have to say at COSIN. Uh, and then on May 3rd, we will be at the New Hampshire CTO Clinic. All three of us, it'll be the first time I meet Mark. It'll be the second time Chris meets Mark all together in one place for the first time ever. So if you're in the New Hampshire area, or in the East Coast area. See if you can come up to New Hampshire CTO Clinic. Now, on to the meat of the episode, the interview with Mr. Doug Levin. All right, Mark. So we're here at K-12-6 in Austin, Texas. You got it right this time. Uh, we did our session earlier, and I announced that we were in Dallas. Yep. I think I was still tired from the flight here. And then tried to play it off as a joke. It, it was a joke. It was planned. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have sitting in the hot seat, Doug Levin. What's up, Doug? Hey guys, how you doing? So Doug, would you tell us about K-12-6, I guess the conference, but also just the organization as a whole? Yeah, well, let's let's start at the conference, right? Because this is where we are, right? So um, this is about a 150, 170-person conference dedicated solely and exclusively to cybersecurity issues in K-12 settings, right? So um, lots of ed tech conferences have lots of topics, and we're starting to see more and more cybersecurity tracks or cybersecurity sessions. Right. Um, there's some regional or state events, kind of more like one-offs on cybersecurity, but we really felt there was a need for a national conference focused exclusively on helping folks defend their school systems today from the threats they're facing. And we've got folks here from like 25 different states, New Zealand and Canada. We've got folks from the federal government. It's, um, you know, for me, it's kind of like a homecoming kind of because a lot of these folks I've gotten to know yeah. um, online uh, some of which are K-12-6 members but but many are not yeah right uh, but there's people I know from podcasting from social media from webinars yeah right who care about this issue and it's just a chance for us to get together for a day and a half focused and talk and the other the other thing about this that we tried really hard to do um, while you know everybody's going to have sponsors and and there's no question that we need yeah, help them cybersecurity solution providers to do what we do. Yeah. Um, but so many of the cybersecurity events I've gone to, um, like 75% of the sessions are led by solution providers. Mm -hmm. And that has a place and that's important, mm -hmm. but it's not creating, you know, that doesn't leave a space for us to talk as practitioners too. 
yeah. each other. And it's just, it's a different experience. Yeah. So that's what we've tried to do. It's also helpful for them to hear what districts are going through, right? So hear them, you know, have them see what's going on on the ground, what we're dealing with, so they can at least take those issues back or those, those issues back to their company. I think it's really important because there's actually a relatively small number of cybersecurity companies that are sort of education first. Uh-huh. Many of them, particularly as they've seen these stories about school districts becoming victims, um, they're like, oh, we have cybersecurity solution. Education market must just like any other market. We'll just sell them the same solution in the same way. And of course, you know, if it works for manufacturing, it'll work for schools. Yeah. Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah. And so I think for some of them, this is a this is an education as well about the market. So who's the primary audience here? Is it mostly school districts? School district folks are here? The the It is primarily folks from uh, school districts, primarily with titles like CIO, CTO, Executive Director of yeah. Technology. Um, we have some school systems that have sent teams. Um, some cases, you know, five, six people in a variety of roles. Um, but a lot of people are the only person that came uh, from their district to the event. Uh, we do have uh, three or four state departments of ed represented. We've got some folks from uh, regional education agencies, so like uh, BOCES or county offices of ed or ESCs here in Texas. Um, we actually have some folks who are associated with the insurance. Yeah, we would talk to a few people. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, some guy talked to us about bonding. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I thought he was like wanting a hug. It was awkward because we kicked butt at that session. He was wanting <laughs> to bond with us, but he was talking about financial bond, bond, bond ratings. Yeah, bond ratings. Yeah, absolutely. As it relates to cybersecurity, it was yeah. a, it was a good conversation, actually. Well, look, when I mean, school districts float a bond to pay for their operations, pay for technology investments, and if it turns out like school system may not be able to pay it back because I don't know they're recovering from a major ransomware right. incident, they have an interest. In fact, you know, sort of like the way insurers have driven so much change in K twelve cybersecurity in such a short period of time. It sounds like the bond rating agencies are about to be wow coming too. Wow. So, uh, well, I guess we'll learn more about that tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um, when he speaks, but um, yeah, fascinating. So, we wanted to bring in some folks who were working in like what in 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 sort of services that are deeply embedded with schools, but aren't likely always the the likely people that we see at these events. Yeah. Right. So, people that that are that should be here at the conversation that are really hard to get in. Superintendents, CFOs, how do we tap into them in the conversation like here? Uh, you know, that's the, what, uh, $800 million, $64 million question. Yeah. Um, you know, probably like you, I've been to conferences of those people and hold sessions and no one comes. I mean, you know, there'll be like four people in a room at the National School Boards Association on a, on a cybersecurity presentation. So that is a real, that's a real challenge. Um, talking to, you know, folks actually with a business office uh, background here. I don't know if you met Greg Ottinger, but he was this, this chief business officer of San Diego schools. He's like, oh, you'll never get my peers. They think they know it all. Yeah. They, they don't. And so it is a, it's a persistent problem. But I think what's interesting is that um, there's a lot of brainstorming with people here about how to get those people to care and get them around mm-hmm. the table. And how to talk to them, how to get yourself at that table. So, um, you know, we'll figure it out. It'll happen mm-hmm. sooner or later. I think all of us would love it to happen sooner and with fewer things going off the rails. But some more things may have to go off the rails. I don't know. Yeah. So tell us about some of the sessions that are going on this week. 
So we've got um, maybe three or four uh, uh, school systems that are here giving essentially incident reports, right? They experienced major ransomware incidents and they're just telling their story about uh, what happened. I mean, yeah. uh, you, know, you, you all sort of gave a similar sort of session where you sort of synthesized um, that information from folks you've recently spoken to about this. Um, and so those are always incredibly popular because yeah. everybody wants to know the juicy details and really, you know, I tip my hat to those folks for being brave enough and willing to come and share right. everything. And yeah. that is just so helpful to understand uh, what could happen and what that really looks like and maybe how to avoid it. Um, we've got folks who are, you know, honestly are providing advice about how to, how to get your administrators to care and to buy in. Um, we do have a, a session, you know, from the bond agency rating side, We'll have a policy session delivered by a gentleman from CDT, Center for Democracy and Technology, who's tracking not just things like E-rate and, you know, ESSER funds, which we know about, or even like the State Local Cybersecurity Grant Program that CISA was, you know, mentioning just on the stage here, but, um, uh, but other sort of broader cybersecurity programs that cut across all of critical infrastructure, right? So there's a stream of policy around cybersecurity and how to help organizations of all types. And of course, all public sector agencies are at risk. And so there are some rules and laws coming down the pike that are likely to affect us. Um, may or may not have money attached to them, but I guess we're kind of used to that in the sector. But um, obviously that creates other challenges. But anyway, he'll, he'll be talking about that. So, and then we've got a nice presence uh, actually from uh, CISA here, right? Mm -hmm. I just came off stage with uh, the Lane and Clark of CISA. Um, and so, and they're delivering a session right now talking about all the things that they are offering to schools and are interested in doing more with yeah. schools, which has been really exciting. And then the U.S. Department of Ed as well, right? Um, and they're what I would say, dipping their toes more yeah. uh, into the subject. But hopefully if they get engaged and hopefully, you know, certainly the work they've done on privacy has been helpful. Um, and I think folks need... So if they can, you know, marshal resources, that'd be terrific. So really all it's, you know, it's really everything from strategy to lessons learned. Um, uh, and, and I think sort of more practical, uh, sort of stuff, vast majority of sessions being delivered by practicing K-12 IT. Uh, yeah. Practitioners. So. Yeah. It's been great. I mean, there's been very, very small schools, consortium schools, large districts. So in terms of the, the landscape, it's a, 150 or so districts from a wide variety of, of backgrounds. But then to see the sprinkling of CISA and DOE and people from other countries, it's really incredible. And the other countries was unexpected, honestly. Um, uh, the folks from New Zealand, uh, Ministry of Education, I actually had spoken to before because they're actually doing fascinating work there. Um, what I will say in the U.S. context is they're kind of more akin to a state mm -hmm. in our system uh, than, than the federal government is, okay. um, to us. So, um, they're able to do things that oh, like a state could do, but it's actually pretty impressive what they're doing as, as a country in that way. And they've been actually very curious and generous in reaching out to folks in other countries to find out what they're doing to sort of beg, borrow and steal ideas and kind of vet their ideas. So I've gotten to know them that way. They submitted a, a speaking presentation and I actually wrote them right back and I said, I'm thrilled that you're interested in presenting at a conference. I'd love nothing more for people to hear your perspective and to build some more exchange. But you you do know this is in Austin. 
And like you, <laughs> this isn't a virtual conference and we literally could maybe not be physically further away from you. Yeah. Like you're looking at like a 24 hour flight, you know, of airtime to get here. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know. I'm like, all right, you're accepted. Okay. You're in, you're in, <laughs> you're in. Uh, but the you know, school system from Canada, it's like, can we come? Call on down. Yeah. Absolutely. So who knows, you know, like in the future, who knows? I mean, I'd love to uh, have a bigger event. Um, I think, you know, first time event, lots of, you know, busy conference calendar. Um, You never know who's going to show. It's after COVID, right? So maybe something happens again. Uh, Frankly, I was worried, you know, even though it's like 86 degrees today, Austin you know, just a couple of weeks ago was shut down, literally shut down because of a uh, uh, weather, cold weather. So um, that's always a challenge this time of year. So, you know, we tried to build something very intentional and, um, you know, thrilled with the the turnout and, you know, who knows where we'll be next year, but we'd like to be bigger, but I don't want to get out over our skis yeah. and I want to keep the focus laser sharp, yeah. right? Um, not be all things to all people. This is just about protecting, helping to protect I like it. Yeah. No, this is a really good conference. And you compare it to some of the mega conferences that you go to. This one, the content is really, really practical to the point. There's no kind of pie in the sky thing. It's a very, very practical sessions. Yeah. I mean, well, and also I mean, like just turning in and talking to people. I yeah. mean, all, when I'm mostly what I've been doing when I've not been in session, grabbing someone by the hand and then grabbing somebody else by hand saying, you two people need to talk. You have stuff in common. Yeah. And, um, that's the thing, you know, that's what you can do at an in-person conference that you can't. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if I am just hearing the word K-12-6 for the first time, uh, would you unpack what that is, what that can do for you, that kind of thing? Yeah. So one, don't feel bad if you haven't heard of us before, because we're frankly relatively new in the space. Um, I've been in the space for a long time. I've been doing ed tech stuff, um, since we were connecting classrooms information super highway, um, I did a little report for Pew Internet American Life Project called the Digital Disconnect about student experiences with technology way back in early 2000. Um, I was executive director of CETA uh, during the Obama years. So I've been around this space for a long, long time. Um, and really the only organization that has existed with a focus on cybersecurity um, has been MSISAC, mm-hmm. right? And a uh, terrific organization but of course, a broad organization. It serves all public um, entities of all types. The right threat intel. Um, but the you know the challenge is that it's not always well targeted um, or suited to the school environment, um, and so it's maybe not as actionable as it as it could be. And then some of the other broader ed tech organizations. Um, I mean, they they have really broad mandates, and the topics they focus on just shift over time. They shift with funding. It's interesting to see them now focusing more on cybersecurity because it's a bigger issue, but they weren't uh, just a few years ago. Um, and so we felt that there was a, a need for a nonprofit um, uh, information sharing organization, a community organization, sort of run like an association, um, focused exclusively on helping to protect schools from cybersecurity risk. Um, so we are we don't deal with physical risk um, on schools school properties right now. Um, we don't deal with training the next generation of cybersecurity workers. Not that it's not important work. It's not the swim lane that we're in. We're not in the broader ed tech 
conversation, we're really an inch wide. We aim to be an inch wide and a mile deep. Right. Um, and so like MSI Sync, we provide, um, you know, threat intel to uh, our members. Uh, we do that, you know, via email, via online portal. Um, we try to be very sensitive about what we push into people's inboxes because we know you yep. get flooded with alerts and then they turn them off and they don't read them. Um, so the, uh, the online portal that we use allows people to come and pull stuff um, when when they have time, when yeah. they're available, and to search and, and things like that. Um, we also brief our members uh, a couple times a month. Uh, one is an education-specific briefing, and then we actually benefit from relationship with um, a larger umbrella organization. So we actually do a cross-sector briefing um, as well once a month. And so you're getting the same threat intel and getting to interact with um, you know CISOs who are working in other industries in very different settings. Um, and those briefings tend to be a little bit more technical um, and a little bit more cross-cutting, right? So you're trying to pick topics that are likely to affect multiple sectors. And of course, a lot of us are in backbones that are a network is a network and yeah. user devices are a user device. Um, provide a lot of other things. But then, frankly, I think the real difference and the real value, hopefully, in what we offer is helping and working with folks in the K-12 community to collaborate. And so we've built a number of uh, products with our members for our members and the wider community. So things like um, our list of essential cybersecurity protections, which is a short list of a dozen controls mm -hmm. that we believe that every school system should and can uh, implement now, right? And it's based on advice from the FBI and CISA and folks like that. It's based on information that we see coming in on the K-12 cyber incident map, yeah. right? So actual incidents affecting schools, it's based on what insurers are asking for school districts, right? Um, and we try to make it just very, you know, built a, a detailed rubric and just to make it sort of dead simple, actionable to understand sort of where I am and where I can go next. And then we've aligned that, actually now we've aligned that to um, not only the CIS controls, which a lot of people use, or the NIST cybersecurity framework, which a lot of other people use, and now also the CISA CPGs. Um, uh, their uh, performance goals for the critical infrastructure sectors. So it's easy to use, look at our controls and then scaffold up into those more robust frameworks or vice versa. If you've already got a more robust program, you can just sort of double check. Yeah. We don't have an ambition to ever replace those uh, broader frameworks or to be a broader framework. We're just trying to scaffold people up into that okay. work. Um, we've also built uh, uh, incident response uh, plan uh, template mm -hmm. um, because as we traveled around and talked to people, we asked people, do you have a cyber incident response plan? And they were like, nope, 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 nope. Mm. And they're like, uh, you know, you talk to people about how you do a, an incident response plan, right? It is overwhelming. Yeah, You know, you need to get the superintendent and the chief business officer and the lawyer and PR all around the table. And it's just not, just doesn't happen. And so the plan doesn't get written and then people experience incidents and then they're caught out, don't know what to do. Um, and so we built something that the IT department could at least put something together and use until they could do a more formal, robust plan. Right. So, so we do products um, like that and, and the need for them come, you know, bubbles up for the membership um, or, you know, through events like this, through the grapevine. Uh, and we work together uh, to, to build them and to share. So, I mean, it's, you know, we give 
opportunities for folks to share with each other. And, and that's where a lot of the power is, is just having a school-based. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, it's great because I've been to a number of ed tech conferences and a lot of conversations, you know, from e-gaming to security to, you know, hybrid learning, those kinds of things. But it's- AI is coming, right? And chat. Yeah. 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 I love chat. I love chat. Love talking about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago at FETC, the 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 conversation that was just over and over again was AI. Right? It's kind of these like hot topic items, yep. and I think what's nice about this is we're not going to let cybersecurity be this hot item that just kind of falls to the wayside. So it, it needs a dedicated space. It's really nice what you guys have done here. Look, I mean, this isn't. I mean, just from my work and as someone that K twelve cyber incident map, like this is the issue is not going away. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's likely to continue to get worse right um but but it's also you're running out of space on the map the little incident map that you have there like i think you've covered everything so there's some blank spots in the midwest but it may be that there are not people living there i don't know chris is cool uh chris or josh will will help you fill that out okay excellent (laughs) excellent um yeah i mean that's you know 1619 incidents that i have that i have added to the yeah i'm over over seven You've added me on there. Uh, yeah, I know that I have. Yeah, yeah Mark. Yeah. Mark almost didn't want to come to this because <laughs> that's math. stupid. Math. So there's there's a funny <laughs> there's a funny story. So um, one of our presenters, I think she's presenting tomorrow, Casey Sensenich, uh, Rockingham, North Carolina. North Carolina. So they had a bad malware incident. National news, whole thing, right? Pretty big school system, and she ended up on the map, right? And. Uh, she and I, I learned this later because I was talking to her about it, and she was really mad at me, really mad at me, because she was having the worst two weeks of her life. And there was this guy, and Doug put her on the map. <laughs> yeah, sharing good job, Doug, about her <laughs> her misfortune, and she's like, unbelievable, what a jerk. <laughs> and then six months later. You know, she's kind of through the worst of it, survived. She's like, wow, like, I'm not the only school system that's gotten hit here. This isn't, like, maybe my fault. Yeah. Maybe there's a bigger story here. And she started looking and going, this is happening to people all over. Like, I got to tell people about this stuff. And she's actually now become, like, one of the bigger champions of this kind of sharing. And I've, I've done webinars with her uh, before. But now she's here uh, presenting, and it is that, and it, you know, and that's the, actually one of the reasons that I wanted to launch K twelve six. Quite honestly, because I was doing the work with the map, cataloging things, and I thought it was deeply important to have an evidence base of what was going on. I mean, it was all right in front of our eyes, right? We just yeah. hadn't put it together in a way that we could see it. And I figured I was coming out of working with CETA, and I'm like, if I didn't know, and nobody I knew knew, then maybe nobody really knows. So let's just see where this goes. Um, uh, you know, so it, it is driven. So I it's driven a lot of awareness, and that's terrific, and it helped inform stuff. But I wanted to be able to help help people, and so it wasn't completely satisfying just to say, "Oh, another pin. Oh, another pin. <laughs> oh, another pin." That's not. Oh, that's an interesting one. That's you know, like I want to be able to help right as well, and to keep people off the map. Or actually, as I said the more realistic goal is just to. Um, if they, when they experience an incident to recover more quickly and more. Yeah. Cause I, uh, 
not ending up on the map is not a a realistic uh, goal. Yeah, quite honest. Yeah, I mean, they, if you're a small fish, maybe you can get away for, with it for a long time. But I, it's an interesting conversation. It's not. It's not really if. It's it's when. I mean, everybody, everybody here I've talked to has kind of referenced an incident that they had either recently or long ago. Everybody now is talking about like I'm preparing for when I get hit, not preventing me from getting hit. So it's you know the conversation cybersecurity has also pivoted from prevention to recovery a lot, and that's really been the last couple of years uh, where that has picked up. It is. It's interesting. I'm curious from your perspective. Do you think it's the insurers that are driving the 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 changes in the in the sort of the culture and the conversations, or do you think we're just as a sector, we're just getting sort of more aware and, and like we're having better conversations. I I mean, I think, I think insurance is a part of it, right? The insurance providers are saying, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. I think personally, my perspective is less about some kind of external factor and more about like everything we're doing in a district right now is dependent on technology. COVID helped to show that, but COVID also created a lot where now, I mean, you, when you talk about your cyber plan, it's a question of if you if your systems are knocked offline, it's not it's not can I continue to keep schools open? It's how long can I ride with schools closed before I can get back in? So I think it's more of a not to say it's self serving, but we have to keep the districts open, we have to keep schools open, and less about I just got to comply with insurance. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, and this is the I mean, in a lot of audiences, I've had to explain what I mean by cybersecurity which I actually didn't do here today because I didn't really feel like I needed to. Yeah, we got that. But, we, but, we, we got that definition. But, uh, right, CIA confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And, uh, you know, for so, it's such a, the sector is so interesting. K-12 is so interesting because yeah. I just think for so long, we just were so obsessed with student data privacy. And, you know, for good reason. But, like, and everything was seen through that lens. Yeah. That's... Yeah, but student data student data is good. They signed the agreement. Um, they're they're a, they're a pledge. Yeah, they send the pledge. They're good. We're good. We tr- like. There's other cybersecurity issues, guys. Yeah. That are that are happening, that may or may not involve student data, by the way. Right. Um, now, of course, they're co-occurring, and you know, it used to be that the ransomware actors didn't also steal. Uh, the data, uh, I think, as you all noted in your session, I, yeah. I've noted, if I didn't know today, you have to assume that yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's par, par for the course yeah. now, right? In fact, we're actually starting to see threat actors targeting school districts, and they don't even bother to encrypt the file. Yeah. They just steal the files and say, we're going to dump them unless you pay it. Uh, we've also seen people, by the way, who steal the files on encrypted data and say, you know, we're going to, you know, you need to pay us to get your stuff back. And you pay once, and they send you the decryptor, and they say, "Oh, by the way, you got to pay us again yeah. to get the data back, and then not have us or not back." I mean, but yeah, yeah. when we pinky swear, we're not going to release it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, oh, I'm not sure, you can take that to the bank. So, um, yeah, a challenging. Um, I mean, look, I called it a wicked problem this morning. I think it is a wicked problem. Um, I wish there were easy and good solutions. Frankly, if there were, I sort of think that other sectors with more money. Uh, than us and doing things like building nuclear bombs and dams would have figured it out, but yeah, haven't. So, um, it, it's it's one of those conversations where I feel like in my career there's been all these trends, right? There was 
There was the smart board. I was. Good. I didn't want to. Say, I didn't want to call it smart boards. In interactive whiteboards. There was, Sorry. There was that trend. Yeah, I remember that. There's the clickers trend. Then there was like, I mean, like the small classroom stuff. iPads the, when the iPads. Yes. Right. There was a there was tablets, a, not iPads, tablets. But there was a period where we all had to figure out how to go Chromebooks. Can I say Chrome? We can say Chrome. <laughs> but we all had to figure out how to go one to one. Yeah. We all had to figure out how to implement an LMS and a, and how to go through a transition to an SIS or ERP. Right? There's kind of these phases we all go through. This is one that doesn't feel like it's going to be a phase. This isn't trendy. It's not. Cybersecurity is not a trend. Like I think your conference is only going thing. to get more popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fortunately. Well, right. And so actually one, one interesting conversation that we're not having, and I actually turned some people away as participants here, but there were folks who were in traditional ed tech companies, right? Not cybersecurity solution providers who are our sponsors here, uh, but um, ed tech companies who were in security positions in those companies who were interested in coming. Uh, and I think they had questions about how to better secure their products and what the market was looking for and how to secure their products, which is a, a really interesting conversation. I think it needs to happen. Um, I disinvited them and said, that, yeah, this is a really important conversation. This isn't the right event at the right time, at least, because it just felt like if we're trying to build a community of trust that we're not necessarily, we're still building it within K-12, much less, you know, sort of all of our instructional apps and things like that. But I mean, ultimately we're going to need to have that conversation with them too, because I have, it's, it's fascinating because I have conversations with folks um, like yourself who get really frustrated with certain products in certain categories. I wish they can't do X. That is a real problem. It's a, you know, but that's who we've chosen to use and I'm stuck. And so I have this vulnerability that I have to work with. Yep. But then I also talk to solution providers who say, we're trying to roll out better baseline security controls and our customers are yelling at us because they still want to send us spreadsheets with CS, you know, CSVs with some yep. data. They won't implement MFA or what, what have you. They won't update their systems. And so I'm like, all right, I believe you both, but I think there's also a conversation to be had in the middle here. Um, and we've actually helped at K-12-6, we've actually helped do outreach on behalf of districts to um, vendors to solve help them solve, help them be aware and then solve security problems they were creating for schools. Yeah. But the school district personnel, for whatever reason, either couldn't get to the right person or felt like, or, I mean, I've heard stories of people who like gotten in trouble. Um, like the sales person of the company will go around them and complain to the superintendent or something. And so they end up getting yeah. dinged for trying to do the right thing and bring a security issue forward. Right. So I'm like, well, I don't have a problem, you know, come to me. I won't disclose who you are. I'll go right to the top yeah, and we'll try to get it addressed that way. And we've had some success actually. So we've sort of helped make the users of this product, which a lot of people in the sector use a little bit safer because we were able to get them an incident, you know, a a vulnerability that they fixed after we validated that it was real. Um, You know, they fixed that the district couldn't get to them. So we need to get that conversation going and and you know certainly you look at issues like illuminate education i don't know if you mm-hmm. users of illuminate caught up in the incident they had last year i mean they have um uh not i'm not giving them good marks for their incident um response and their communications um that's probably generous uh i suspect that those of you who 
use them are in the same, you know, same sort of place. But that's not helpful for anybody. It's yeah. not helpful for anybody. Well, we're uh, in our in my district. We we do use Illuminate. We're not caught up in that situation. Okay, oh, it's a different good, product. Good. But to your point, though, there have been other vendors where we fuse. We're like, hey, we just saw on the news you had an issue. Are we? Is there is there anything that we need to do here? Are we good? So it's kind of like let's not just assume that no news is good news. Like we need there needs to be some sort of confirmation. So I mean, we have unfortunately we have plenty of examples of actually no news not being right. Uh, good news. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we also have examples of people saying, you're all good, only six months later to find out that, no, you were not good. Well, this is a very oh, wait. uplifting. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a downer. But no, that was... Yeah, no, that's the wrong one. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> This is the first time you two have met a person, right? Yes, this is, yeah. Is this the last? This is first way. It was going fine until he just hit the soundboard. Really? Because I thought the whole Dallas thing, it sounded like you were treading on thin ice already. We no, got, it's, we got through that. It's this one. Okay. That's the one you were looking We met at 1 a.m. Yeah. He went in for a hug. I just, I didn't go in. I extended a handshake instead. I didn't go in for a hug. But that was the first time we had met in person. Yeah. Boston? Are you huggers? No. Boston. I really do. Whether he was just no. tongue no. no. You think no. they were tired? So you leaned in? I like you were falling asleep as you met me? Yeah, that's probably what it was. I just got enough of long flights. Yeah. It was Boston people he, aren't huggers. He hasn't been in New England yet. He's, they're coming to New England in the spring. Okay. Oh, yeah. I heard that. They're worried yeah. about that. Is, that. is that that trip? Yeah, like he invited us to his cabin. Cabin? Yeah. It's your cabin. It's not really a cabin, but but yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, they are worried. We'll see what happens. You have a lot of witnesses now. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, if we get through this, we're going to proceed with New Hampshire. And then fiscal security will be the next conversation <laughs> we'll be talking about. Well, this is, I mean, so talking about like conversations that are that are that are uh, like adjacent but weird. Like, so you've had this conversation about like getting kids, especially yeah. cybersecurity careers and awareness. It's been a bunch of work on that. There's whole conferences about that. Like, lots of physical security conferences. No cyber in right. those conversations. And all of their stuff they're buying now is smart and IT. I mean, you're... Yeah. I mean, do you guys even know? Do you have any input when that stuff is bought? Or are you just, like, we're plugging this stuff in, open up the firewall? We Yeah, I mean, we, we are in those conversations right now. And it is hard because... Your leadership is looking at physical versus cyber security. And there are times where you want to raise your hand and say, like, I, this may look like the best product for X, Y, and Z, but hey, I've got a cyber concern. But in their mind, in leadership's mind, like, I, more often than not, it's a physical security threat that we need to close off. Uh, and that's where, you know, it's, it's a really hard conversation to have. Uh, honestly, it's, I think it's, frankly, really hard to disentangle the two. Yeah. Nowadays, almost every physical incident you're going to see social media threats or or some some precursor of this stuff building up. Um, yeah, all these systems are IP based, right? Yep. So, Def. even setting aside like the privacy and ethical concerns, which I, I don't do lightly, right? Those are those are big deal on some of those systems too. So yeah. it's definitely complicated. But we it's we we have this weird, you know, like. 
focus on student data privacy and physical security and I, you know, I don't know what cyber. I mean, I don't. It's not gonna hold. No. Well, I, we can see Seth speaking of not holding. The session doors are opening. Looks like it. So, Doug, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having us here at the conference. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. I really, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys uh, here. I've been a big fan of the podcast and uh, loved some of those interviews that you've done, particularly around cybersecurity. Uh, you dropped the LAUSD. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. While we're here? Well, that would have been the horde. No. Chris. <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to listen to that, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, thank so, you. Keep thank up the good work, and hopefully we get a few more listeners for you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you.